Back into another hour, another show all about the South. I'm John Rawl. Hello, this is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, and it's so good to be back with you here as we get this week up and going on this Tuesday. Got an action-packed show headed your way today. We got our barbecue barrister arriving in hour number two today. We also will be talking with Art Cruz in hour number three, our closing argument of today's y'all show if you want to get involved 803-816-1170 is the way to do that so easy we make it so dang easy for you to connect to us here on the show that's all about the south our website y'all.com y-a-l-l.com hope your tuesday's going good so far some of you are at work some of you been at work for a long part of your day so far some of you are still not yet showing up to work well we're showing up for you here at the y'all show and here this hour we'll give out an addition to looking at headlines from across the nation and some police related stories coming out of alabama both birmingham and huntsville we'll tell you about that here in just a sec also we've got some sports updates some tcu slash texas a&m news going on in college sports we'll let you know what that is we have hashtag hullabaloo here this first hour of today's y'all show. And we have our Southern political report coming up in the latter portion of this hour. And big news out of the Commonwealth of Virginia on Monday, it was announced who the Republican nominee for governor will be. That's a state that's going to be electing a governor here this year. And this governor in Virginia will serve for four years. They don't have reelections in the Commonwealth. And so we know now who the Republican nominee will be. The Democrats still have to figure out who they're going to put up. But big news, and that's coming in our political report later this hour. Email us at the show, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all, Y-A-L-L dot com. Mail at y'all dot com. Love to get what you've got on your mind and pass it on to us. Okay, to these police-related stories coming out of the heart of Dixie. The Alabama Democratic Party is now calling for the firings of the police chief of Huntsville after an officer from that department has been convicted of murder. Now, this is a story that's not been giving a lot of, it really hasn't received any big, any attention nationwide, in my opinion. And it has to do with an officer-involved shooting where an officer has now been convicted on murder charges there in Huntsville for killing a man, a suicidal man, named Jeff Parker in April of 2018 and an officer named William Darby, former officer of Huntsville, convicted by a jury on Friday of last week, May 7th, after two hours of deliberations, convicted of murdering Jeff Parker, a suicidal man in 2018 when this police officer, Darby, killed him. And now the executive director of Alabama's Democratic Party, Wade Perry, called for the firings of not only Darby, but also Huntsville Police Chief Mark McMurray. Now, McMurray has put Darby on paid administrative leave following his conviction on murder charges. And Perry said in an email, the Democratic Party Executive Director, he's a convicted murderer. He shouldn't get another day's pay. Fire him and the police chief. And I don't know why the Democratic Party of Alabama is saying this, but in some ways I kind of have to be a little bit sympathetic to him. If he's a convicted murderer, even though he may appeal and ultimately not serve time for this, he's right now officially a convicted murderer there in Madison County, Alabama. 
and the officer put on administrative leave while awaiting trial and will be on administrative leave for the time being. The Huntsville City Council voted to dedicate $125,000 in public money for Darby's criminal defense. A civil suit is expected to move forward against Darby in addition to the criminal case here. And this is a, this is a, a deal that every police officer, I'm sure, has had to put up with at one time or another, probably multiple times in their career. And that's when they encounter, encounter someone who's suicidal. And in this case, a jury claims after, I guess, seeing police footage, video footage, that this officer should not have killed the man back in 2018, Jeff Parker. But that's what the jury has ruled. And that's where we stand there in Huntsville with the Democratic Party of the state saying the not only officer needs to be gone, but the police chief for pushing forward this guy to be put on administrative leave, a certainly a developing story out of North Alabama. Now, to central Alabama and to the city of Birmingham, Black Lives Matter Birmingham on Monday demanded the resignations of the mayor of Birmingham, Randall Woodfin, as well as police chief Patrick Smith, police chief of Birmingham, saying that the handling of the killing of Desmond Montez Ray Jr. is unacceptable. BLM, joined by a couple of dozen members of the victim's family, voiced several demands at a press conference outside of Birmingham City Hall. Last week, three videos, two of which were officer body-worn camera footage, showed what happened there. The family and activists say they want all videos available to be released in their entirety and unedited. All this stems again from a killing as Birmingham police fatally shot 28-year-old Ray in the North Birmingham Alley just before 11 o'clock on Easter Sunday, 11 o'clock p.m. The city's 911 dispatchers that night received a call about a domestic domestic dispute taking place inside a vehicle. When officers responded to the call, they spotted the vehicle in the 200 block of 9th Avenue West in Birmingham and tried to stop it, but the driver later identified as Mr. Ray, refused to stop, and police pursued the vehicle until it crashed into a chain-link fence on 9th Avenue West in Birmingham, and Ray then exited the vehicle, confronted the officers, and fired one round in the officer's direction. Officers returned fire with at least eight shots, striking Ray, and he ended up dying as a result of this. But again, according to the Black Lives Matter Birmingham group, the chief of police there in Birmingham, as well as the mayor Randall Woodfin should be fired for their handling of killing. They call it a killing. The guy shot at at the cops. I, I wouldn't call this a killing. He he was uh, mur- he was not murdered. He he died, but uh, I wouldn't call this murder. This is a, a developing story here, but there in Birmingham, in the Magic City, it is getting rather ugly between the Desmond Montez Ray Jr. party and the city of Birmingham, and the police department of Birmingham, Alabama. Now, how about this study that is out, and it ranks states and their police officers. Being a police officer is one of the most dangerous positions that someone could have. And, of course, we know from the Black Lives Matter movement, much of that is against bad policing, and some would say even just against police. But what about your state? According to WalletHub, The 50 states plus the District of Columbia were compared across 30 key indicators of police friendliness, and this includes the median income for the police force, 
police deaths per 1,000 officers and the state and police protection expenses per capita. And I've got a breakdown, again, this is from WalletHub, of the highest state and local police protection expenses per capita and the lowest state and local police protection expenses per capita. For the positive side, which states or districts are more more police-friendly with the way they pay the officers, the way things happen for that police officer? District of Columbia actually comes in number one. Didn't think that would happen. But, yeah, they're number one, followed by Alaska, New York, California, and Nevada. No southern state among the highest state and local police protection expenses per capita. The bottom rung of the ladder of police, the lowest state and local police protection expenses per capita. Maine is 47th in the land. 48 is Arkansas, 49, West Virginia. 50th is West Virginia. And then the last state in the union for local police protection expenses and state police protection expenses is the Commonwealth of Kentucky for supporting police again. This is because the, this ranking from Wild Hub ranking states to be where it's worse to be a police officer, mostly because of financial reasons, but that is out from Wild Hub if you want to take a look at that survey. Now, one sign that things are getting back to somewhat normal around the world, Lafayette Square, Lafayette Square, right across from the White House in Washington, D.C., has now reopened to the public nearly a year after federal authorities fenced off the area at the height of the George Floyd protest in Minneapolis, the square, which really does give you the best view of the White House, closed after the U.S. Park police officers were forcefully dispersing protesters who had gathered near the White House. Protesters were ejected from the square shortly before President Donald Trump walked across the street to go to the nearby St. John's Church, and the church had been damaged the night before back in the summer before Trump went over there, Bible in hand, and uh, visited the, I guess, scene there at that Episcopal church just off of the White House grounds. But now Lafayette Park, right there, Lafayette Square technically is what it's called, is now open to the public. So if you've got your smartphone and you want to go to D.C. and get your picture taken, you've got a good spot to do that now. Julian Reed, who helped brief the press after the John F. Kennedy assassination in 1963, has died. He died in Texas. He was 93 years old. Julian Reed, whose long career in public relations included briefing the press just after the Kennedy and John Connolly shootings in downtown Dallas, November 1963. Of course, Kennedy was killed president, and John Connolly, then the governor of Texas, was seriously wounded from the blast. Julian Reed died at a senior living community in Austin. He worked for Governor John Conley and was in the media bus, several vehicles behind the limousine carrying Kennedy, Conley, and their wives when shots rang out November 22nd, 1963 from Dealey Plaza, downtown Dallas. But again, working for Governor Conley uh, all those years ago, uh, Governor Conley, who I think it was 1980, ran for president of the United States. And uh, that was following, of course, what happened in 63 when he nearly died and his car mate there in the limousine john f kennedy did die of course in 1963 julian reed dead at the age of 93 a florida mom is accused of ordering her son to fight another child and now this woman told authorities that her son was being provoked throughout the day 
and she wanted him to, I guess, do something about it. He sh- and maybe he did, and as a result of that decision, now she's facing charges. This mother, Jamie Gensler, arrested after allegedly confronting the other child about knocking over a basketball hoop. She's accused of encouraging her own son to confront the alleged victim. The ages of the children not mentioned in report to police, but this 35-year-old mom accused of doing this and getting herself into the fight as well, it sounds like, accused of directing her son to fight and telling him to hit the alleged victim in the, quote, balls and guts. The report citing the sheriff's office said authorities accused Gensler of punching the other child and slapping him. Gensler allegedly told authorities that her son was being provoked throughout the day by alleged the alleged victim and his friends. The report said she faces a charge of child abuse and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. All right, lesson learned there, parents. Don't try to fight your kids' fights yourself or tell them to go get in the fight. Not a smart thing to do. Miss Gensler in Florida is going to have some time to think about her decision. Another Florida bad woman story. A designated driver, or at least she was supposed to be the designated driver, hit a parked car and now is charged with DUI after empty bourbon, at least one empty bourbon bottle found in her car. This happened in Port St. Lucie. And Melanie Esclera had twice the legal limit of alcohol in her blood. And she was supposed to be the designated driver, the good old DD. And here she is, 40 years old, having all this blood alcohol alcohol content, twice the legal limit. What was she thinking? Or maybe she wasn't thinking when she crashed just before 1 a.m. in Port St. Lucie. When officers arrived, the engine compartment of her 2010 sedan caught fire. And there's a, if you get... If you want to get get a kind of a laugh, and I hate to laugh at someone else's kind of a detriment, but they've got a really interesting mugshot of her from the St. Lucie Police Department, Melanie Esclera, and she's got a big old gash on her on her eye, black eye, cut down her nose. She had a rough night there, and again, authorities founding an empty Kentucky bourbon whiskey bottle on the front seat, and she was supposed to be the designated driver. So you better be careful who you ask to be your DD next time you want to go out on the town. Here is another bad woman. This comes to us from Memphis. As police say, a woman impersonated a police officer there in West Tennessee and then threatened to steal thousands of dollars in in this bold and bizarre case coming out of Memphis. Nicole Watkins now faces a list of charges, including robbery, theft, criminal impersonation, illegal use of a credit card, financial exploitation of vulnerable adults, and false imprisonment for crimes she allegedly committed earlier this year. Police say at one point she also escaped custody when she was taken to Methodist Hospital for treatment, and she's accused of trying to extort an 84-year-old man. Police say she told the man he needed to pay thousands of dollars to have a non-existent rape charge dropped. The man told police he was told to meet Watkins at a restaurant on Germantown Parkway where she told him she would place him in handcuffs if he didn't comply. Now, she's in a whole lot of trouble when she's out here doing this. Again, this Memphis woman accused of impersonating police and then trying to extort thousands of dollars from innocent folks out there. Well, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a tiger on the loose and you can't, where's Buck Owens? You, you don't have a tiger by the tail. A tiger on the loose in Houston on Monday. And tigers, by the way, are not allowed within Houston's city limits as a pet. But some, somehow or another, we told you the other day how a gator and a cow were both on a Houston 
roadway not long ago, and now a man whose tiger was found wandering around this Houston neighborhood has been arrested. The tiger's whereabouts are actually still unknown. I'm sure someone will find a tiger roaming around Houston, Texas, but families spotted this tiger lounging in the front yard of a home while out on an evening walk, and now video of the encounter shows the tiger walking toward a sheriff's deputy in the Houston area, and yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre to see a tiger. How would you like to go outside and see that? No, you, you probably would not, but yes, be careful in Houston. Tigers, gators cows more be careful out there in houston that's the animals be careful of the human beings also there hey summer camps a lot of summer camps did not have the chance to be open in 2020 and now they're hoping to make a big comeback after coronas coronavirus era shutdowns are going away new cdc recommendations will let day and overnight camps reopen here in 2021 and a lot of kids a lot of parents are ready for their kiddies to go off to camp and you've got lots of choices throughout the southeast camps in arkansas you've got great camps in north alabama and that northeast corner where mentone is you got great camps located in north georgia a lot of camps often are in the mountainous areas of the southeast but yeah boy scout camps going on girl scout camps church camps camps are going to be a big deal according to the american camp association 40% of day camps and 80% of overnight camps were forced to close in the summer of 2020. And now people are really looking forward to make sure that this year it's camps in in full steam ahead and the kiddies have a great time. And maybe even the chaperones that are adults out there are going to have a great time in the summer of 2021. Hey, how about this guy? You've seen him on TV for years, and this is no fishtail. Congratulations to Dr. Bill Dance. As this past weekend, the University of Tennessee in Knoxville gave Bill Dance an honorary doctorate degree. Bill Dance says his life story proves that if you have a dream and work toward it, nothing is impossible. As the professional fishing legend getting this honorary doctorate degree He just, believe this or not, Bill Dance has just become the 21st person in the entire history of the University of Tennessee to receive an honorary doctorate. Dance said that when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. When you set a goal, Walt Disney said that so perfectly. When you set goals on life, just reach for that star and work toward that. Bill Dance receiving an honorary doctorate in recognition of his success and support of agriculture and natural resources sciences. Dr. Bill Dance, University of Tennessee. Of course, you know he had to wear his trademark Tennessee Vols orange and white ball cap there for the graduation at the University of Tennessee. But I actually saw the picture where he took that off and put on his little doctorate hat. I know that's got a probably a fancy name, but he wore that also there in Knoxville at the UTK graduation. Dr. Bill Dance. Maybe that'll help him get a bigger fish when he's out on a lake near you. And lastly, as we look at headlines from across the South here today, U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agriculture Specialists recently discovered what's called cow dung cakes while examining leftover baggage at Washington Dulles International Airport. And these so-called cakes found in a suitcase left behind after passengers from an Air India flight cleared CBP's inspection station in April. K 
Cow dung is reported to be a vital energy and cooking source in some parts of the world. And here are these people evidently smuggling in cow dung and maybe having a black market on cow dung, cow poo, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, if you want to go look at the photo of this, it really doesn't look quite like what I've seen out in the pastures of the Southland. But that's that's the story coming from Dulles Airport. Another way, I guess, for the CBP people to have to be on the lookout for things coming through illegally. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we've got sports headlines from across the South. We'll get to that as the Y'all Show rolls on on this Tuesday. Cal Dung, Bill Dance, and all. And the Y'all Show continuing on here on a Tuesday. Let's take a look at some sports news across the Southland. And we've got some departures going on within the Lone Star State as two former Texas A&M Aggies are now going to move over to Fort Worth and be TCU Horned Frogs as it's been announced that Emmanuel Leader, one of A&M's scoring and rebound leaders, this is college basketball, by the way, is now going to be a TCU Horn Frog as TCU announcing Friday the signings of six foot seven sophomore Miller and six four freshman guard Cassius McNeely. They're both Canadians, and now a they're moving on from College Station's basketball court to Fort Worth's basketball courts. They join an incoming class of eight that also includes a top junior college center, but no high school signees for TCU basketball. The Horn Frogs. Out of the Big 12, coming off a 12-14 and 14 season, the first losing record in Coach Jamie Dixon's 18 seasons. Remember, Dixon spent a long time in Pittsburgh leading the Pitt Panthers. The past five years, he's been at his alma mater after 13 at Pitt. TCU 16-16 and 16 in the 2019-2020 season. First time one of his teams didn't have a winning record. So Jamie Dixon definitely needing to ramp things up quickly if he wants to stick around as alma mater at TCU. Miller averaged 16.2 points and 8.2 rebounds per game in 2020-21. That ranked 7th in the SEC in scoring and 7th and 2nd in rebounding. He also led the league with 57.1% of his field goal attempts. McNeely did not play last season for A&M. He averaged 10.9 points and 3.3 rebounds while a high school player in Canada he also was on the FIBA U-17 World Cup in 2020. So there you have some basketball news out of the Big 12 as A&M players moving on to TCU. Now, here's a fun story coming out over the weekend. I don't know why he was on the campus of the Institute there in downtown Atlanta, but tell me if you can – well, I, I better not tell you who to try to guess. We won't have a guessing game, but how about Jamie Foxx? Somehow or another, he ended up – in the football complex at Georgia Tech. And the actor, the Texas native, I think he is from Terrell, Texas, just outside of Dallas, he impersonated 
I won't call Jeff Collins. He wasn't necessarily impersonating the head coach of Georgia Tech, but Jamie Foxx, the legendary actor in Atlanta, and he gave his own impersonation of a college football coach. Let's have a good laugh here on a Tuesday and hear what Jamie Foxx had to say there at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Guys, guys, I know all of you. I know where your family's from. I've been in your house, but now that you're on the field, you're mine. Okay? Quarterback, my quarterback, when you come out, what are you doing? You're floating too far back. It causes too much over here. I want you to come down the line, read the defense, the defensive end. What'd you do last week? Oh, you didn't read? Look, at, I'm in the background, I'm dancing, I got scholarship money. I don't give a rat. Excuse my friend. You come here, easy, easy read there. Come at me. Come at, come at me, son. Come at me. The forearm shiver here to run around for the pants. Okay? I love all you guys. But I can't have all of you on the field. So somebody's parents is not going to see their son play. You're not going to have dirt on your jersey. But that's fine because I still love you. All right, Jamie Foxx there at Georgia Tech over the weekend. Again, he must be in the area filming something. I'm going to look up his filmography real quick to find out what the veteran actor is actually working on right now. He's filming currently a movie called Geechee. What is that about? Because that's actually a nickname for those who live along the Georgia-South Carolina coast. It's actually a supernatural thriller. I don't think uh, the name may not necessarily reflect the southern coastline. He also is working on a movie called They Clone Tyrone, a science fiction comedy film. don't see any connection to Atlanta for that. And then he's also working on a movie called Day Shift, and I have no clue what that's about but it does show that that one's filming so maybe that's why he found himself in atlanta and went by georgia tech's football offices where he impersonated a football coach jamie fox right here on the y'all show good to catch up with this texas actor how about hometown kid tim tebow he was the big story on monday it looks like the jacksonville jaguars signing the hometown kid to a one-year deal to play tight end for Urban Meyer's new job as head coach of the Jags. Tim Tebow, the 33-year-old, heading back to the gridiron after spending the last two to three years trying to be a major league baseball player, was signed and part of the New York Mets minor league operation. Played a fair amount, I think, triple-A ball for the New York Mets and started out, of course, playing Single-A ball for the Columbia Fireflies of the Sally League, but it looks like Jacksonville's going to have a chance and will give him an opportunity to be a tight end in the NFL. So good luck to Tim Tebow as he goes off to minicamp here pretty soon. And last week we told you about how he worked out for Urban Meyer, and those two had a record-setting run while they were together at the University of Florida. Tim Tebow winning a Heisman Trophy and then helping Florida to win, I think he was technically part of two national championship teams at UF back in the late 2000s. Then Urban Meyer decided that his health was not good. He stepped down to be the Gators coach, and somehow a year later ends up being Ohio State's head coach. But Meyer now head coach of Jacksonville, and he's going to have an opportunity to help Tim Tebow get back to the NFL I listen to a lot of the critics 
on Monday when this news broke that it looked like he was going to get an opportunity to get back to the NFL. And, man, there's some haters of Tim Tebow. I know Tebow's got a lot of fans, and you can count me as a fan. I I don't necessarily go crazy because of his Christian faith. I, I love the fact that he's not ashamed to talk about it. I think it's good. But that's not why I like Tim Tebow. I think he's just a good guy. I think he's a good guy, and he's not out trying to get in every TV commercial and he he's played sports the right way and for whatever reason there's some people who hate that but i did find out while listening to a national talk show how much value tim tebow has that whenever there's a tim tebow story the clicks are triple that of any other story and the interest is there and like i said tim tebow represents all that's good let's be honest he's a little bit boring i'm okay with that <laughs> <laughs> another guy that i thought from that same time period of college football the 2000s the, the the decade of that time period another guy that i thought was a pretty boring guy eli manning eli manning i know he's been in a few commercials but he's a pretty boring guy and i'm okay with that because you didn't read about eli manning in the newspapers in new york causing problems and he wasn't he was a, a, a team player and a, just a, a solid guy wasn't ready to move on at the first opportunity to play for another team whenever things weren't going so good. He decided to retire. Now, I don't think Tim Tebow was given a fair shot in the NFL. I think the hatred of him was so bad for those who were the haters that no NFL team gave him, in my opinion, the best shot at being a good quarterback. Remember, here's a guy who, I think I'm right on this, is the only player to come on and throw one game-winning pass in overtime for a walk-off touchdown as the Broncos remember that incredible game where he threw I think an 80-yard touchdown in overtime to give them the playoff win I don't think that's been matched by anybody else may never be matched but they again just they shipped him off to New York for the Jets and I think he ended up playing with the Patriots his professional football career seems so long ago now but he's just a good Southern boy, and we're glad that Urban Meyer's given his old college quarterback at least an opportunity to make it on the Jags as a tight end. Now, the other developing story, this isn't necessarily a Southern story, but the Broncos are reportedly pursuing Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback if he ends up becoming available from the Packers. Now, you talk about the opposite of Tim Tebow. That would be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers evidently is a hard person to get along with he can't even get along with his own family and here he is essentially divorcing or trying to get a divorce from the Packers because his feelings were hurt primarily because they drafted love last year out of Utah State without getting his permission I mean Aaron Rodgers doesn't own the Green Bay Packers I know he's the reigning MVP of the league but he is not the owner and only face Look, he could hurt his toe and be out for the entire year, and this season, this team could end up tanking. You got to be as an NFL franchise concerned about every position, and you got to have depth. And I can't tell you outside of love if Aaron Rodgers went out, who would come in and be a good quarterback for this franchise. So, to the ownership and/or, well, I guess they're owned by the community. To the management side of the Packers, I think they are doing the right thing now. Of course, I said the Broncos are in the running. Also, 
other teams might likely pony up to try to get his services as he's got a little bit of gas left in the tank. I know he's in his late 30s now, but he could play for a few more years, maybe not to be to the level of Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers now dominating the headlines. Maybe that's what he wanted after all was a chance to get back in the headlines and he dictate the story. Well, he's getting that chance. He says he doesn't want to play in Green Bay. Green Bay says, I don't think so. And other people are already lining up trying to woo him to their city. And one last story as we wrap up our headlines across the southeast, an historic event in Tampa Bay as the Tampa Bay Lightning of the NHL started three black forwards for their regular season finale, and it's been called a pretty cool moment as the Lightning had three black forwards in their regular season finale against the Florida Panthers Monday. They had Daniel Walcott, Matthew Joseph, and Jamel Smith all out for the opening faceoff there. I think this was a, a game actually in Sunrise where the Panthers played, but there in the Sunshine State, three black NHL players all playing for the same team, and you don't see that too often. Progress perhaps in the NHL. I just want to see the first redneck NHL player. I still have never been told or am aware of any good old Southern boy who's gone on and been an NHL player or or star i'll take a star i'll just take a player at this point i mean we we've had hockey in the south for 30 years plus and so it's not completely foreign to this part of the world and i still haven't heard of any nhl player that gets interviewed after the game and says man that was a great win y'all are so great i have not i haven't heard it maybe you have if you if you've heard an nhl player with a good old southern draw for goodness sakes, let me know. We'll we'll call them out and give them their proper credit here on the Y'all Show. Just hit us up at 803-816-1170. That is a quick look at sports here on this Tuesday as we get you all covered on that percentage of the – well, got some playing there in the background. Got to stop that. That will wrap up sports. We'll be right back with more. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. You don't want to miss out on the fun. Eight zero three eight one six eleven seventy. That's how you can catch us here on the show covering everything Southern. That's a text number. That is a call in number. Eight zero three eight one six eleven seventy. And we go to that text line and our social media connections of the Y'all Show to bring you this hashtag Hullabaloo. This is where. We get all these things sent to us, or we find them on social media or in our inbox, and we decide to bounce them back your way and let you know what others across the Southland have to say here on this Tuesday. And this is actually part one of Hashtag Hullabaloo. We've just got an update. Our barbecue barrister will not be able to join us here on this Tuesday edition, so we wish him the best and try to get him back on next week. So we'll have a portion of this 
pushed back into the second hour of today's y'all show so get ready again it's hashtag hullabaloo part one of two here on the show covering everything southern let's start out with a tweet this comes to us from star photos at star photos five and they write in their profile i love to express art through photography canvas prints and digital photos in my portfolio uniquely tropical southern u.s landscapes images nature etc all right star photos let's see what kind of star photo you got for us here today and ooh, beautiful there go to at star photos five and you'll see a beautiful picture of a southern live oak tree with that beautiful spanish moss draping from it it is majestic there and star photos on twitter writes southern road with moss hanging from oaks hashtag outdoors hashtag moss now i love southern landscapes i bet you you love the the landscape and the photography of the south but there's just something about that spanish moss i have a love affair with spanish moss when i see spanish moss i get excited i have flashbacks to memories of going to the beach as a child i'm sure you know what i'm talking about if you are one of those inland kids and it takes you more than 30 minutes to get to a beach and you are in a car for a long time and you're driving when you see that spanish moss and you're going to see spanish moss when you go to the gulf coast of florida you're going to see it when you're heading to the atlantic coast whether it's florida georgia or the carolinas you're going to see it when you go toward even mississippi and alabama the gulf coast there texas even uh, i can't say that they got spanish moss around brownsville at south padre but i know they got it around east texas and galveston and places like that you're going to see that draping from the these giant majestic live oak trees and it's going to just be something that tells you it's like god's little map sign that hey you're almost there just keep on chugging along and you're going to be able to see that ocean but first let me give you a tease and that's this big old oak tree with spanish moss coming from the treetop and it's just a a great scene that many of us when we see that we just kind of get excited as i am here today forgive me i'm having a moment talking about live oak trees and spanish moss but we know that Spanish moss is not exclusive to live oak trees. It can get on something called a pine tree and other types of trees, but it sure looks pretty on those Spanish moss-draped live oak trees. And it is a rite of passage as a southerner that you're near a coast because they don't have Spanish moss on live oak trees in the mountains of East Tennessee, and they don't have them in the Ozarks. But they sure got them. Actually, speaking of Arkansas, I've seen Spanish moss in South Arkansas near the Louisiana line. So, yeah, you got Spanish moss there. You got it in places throughout Mississippi, of course. I've seen it. Uh, I mean, you're going to find it a lot more in Jackson, Mississippi, going south from there. But it's all over the Mississippi Delta, too. And it's just, I mean, I'm sorry, like I told you, this is kind of a a big deal to me and i appreciate star photos for letting us talk about spanish moss here on hashtag hullabaloo all right let's go on from talking about moss to talking about money and the penny hoarder is on twitter at the penny hoarder 
H-O-A-R-D-E-R. Not the bad word, hoarder. You're a hoarder. (laughs) And the Penny Hoarder, we're one of the world's largest personal finance websites on a mission to help our millions of readers worldwide earn and save money. The Penny Hoarder, I'm not that familiar with this website. But they've got a tweet that caught my attention for all of you in the volunteer state. The Penny Hoarder with a release that says, If you know anyone that lives in Tennessee, give them a heads up. So I had to click on this from the Penny Hoarder for everybody in Tennessee, East, Middle, West Tennessee. This from the Penny Hoarder. And I'm not going to tell you the eight things they've got listed. I'm just going to tell you four of the items listed at the Penny Hoarder to help Tennesseans. Number one, invest like a tycoon, even if you're not rich. Okay, so if you got money, invest and do it like a tycoon. Wise words from the Penny Hoarder. The number two advice for people in Tennessee, likely good for just about any state, but we'll spotlight Tennessee since that's what the Penny Hoarder is out here today promoting The number two thing for Tennesseans to know from the penny hoarder, see if you can get money from a certain company. And I guess you have to click on the link there at their website to find out more. But, yeah, again, go to their site if you're looking for ways to make money in Tennessee. Number three, cancel your car insurance. Now, that one seems a little weird to me. I don't even know if you can do that. Do you in Tennessee have to have car insurance if you have a car? Probably, but I know some states – It is absolutely a requirement. Some states are a little bit more lax on the car insurance rules. So, again, check out the article from the Penny Hoarder. That's why they put this stuff out there. They want to tease you into going in and learning more about the things they're talking about. The last thing I can tell you a little bit more about, and this is four of eight things. The other four I'm not even telling you about today that this last thing I will It says, give your family up to a million dollars. Give your family up to one million buckaroos. And I do know what they're talking about there. They're talking about getting a good life insurance policy. So, Tennesseans, if you want to help out, you need to go to the Penny Hoarder and read this article and get your own take on it. But it's never a bad idea whether you're in the volunteer state or any of our other 15 great southern states or wherever you might be listening to the Y'all Show to get life insurance and as a guy from mississippi would say killer bees save up that's what you need to do this is y'all talk with a southern accent again this has just been part one of our hashtag hullabaloo here on this tuesday edition of the show that's all about the south when we come back we've got a southern political report that we're going to get to big news out of the commonwealth of virginia they have a candidate ready to run on the republican side at least for the governor of the state of Virginia. We'll let you know about that and other political happenings across the Southland as this first hour of the Y'all Show on a Tuesday rolls on.
what's coming next Can't be too careful this time No, love ain't something you trust You've seen a little too much Of the quitting kind That pain you're wrestling with I know right where it lives Been there a couple of times Always almost in tears Living in fear Of the quitting kind If you don't what you've got, I'll tell you one thing, it's not, it's not the kind of love that will turn and run this one. Well, Glenn Youngkin ain't a quitter. Welcome back. It is y'all talk with a southern accent, and this is our southern political spotlight wrapping up this first hour of talk with a southern accent. And this businessman from the Commonwealth of Virginia, a first-time political candidate, will be the Republican nominee for governor in Virginia. Virginia is a state that only elects a governor for four-year terms, and now he is the Republican nominee, a former CEO at the private equity firm Carlisle Group, and he will be running against a Democratic nominee that is yet to be de- to be determined when Virginians go to the polls later this year and select the next governor. By the way, the Democrats get together June 8th to choose their candidate as Ralph Northam is the current governor of Virginia and he'll have to sit out because again Virginia only has governor serve for one term and someone will have to replace him there'll be an election in November but again this newcomer is going to be going up against the Democrat in November congratulations to Glenn Youngkin I know there was a female who got a lot of attention in her bid to get the Republican nominee and Glenn Youngkin outlasted her and others his twitter profile says a former dishwasher i like that i'm a former dishwasher as well a basketball player and businessman not a politician republican running for governor to make virginia the best place to live work and raise a family and as of today at glenn youngkin on twitter has 4,804 follows. <laughs> He's only got 4,800 people following him on Twitter. Uh, that's not very much for a guy who could end up being one of our southern states, one of our largest southern states chief executives here in the coming days. Hey, how about this story? We're not too far away from 2024. Oklahoma raised Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, the same Elizabeth Warren that now is a U.S. senator from the state of Massachusetts. The 71-year-old U.S. senator says she will run for re-election in 2024. So Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, look out, because Senator Warren's ready to come after the nomination in 2024. She told Politico Friday, yep, when asked if she was planning to make a run for president in 2024. Elizabeth Warren, a.k.a. Poco, she's looking to run in 2024. Now, Texas becomes the latest state in the country to look at passing the controversial transgender sports bill that many of our southern states have already passed. The legislation was revived in a House committee over the weekend and has already passed the Texas State Senate. But Texas, of course, right there in Austin, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be protesting this, but it looks like Texas could become the next state to try to have protections up against mostly female athletes having to 
compete against transgendered athletes in the same sport as this bill would prevent transgender students from playing sports with children of a different sex than the one at their birth certificate. And it moved forward to getting a signature and becoming law. Texas only gets together in Austin, the the legislature, every other year. So it's a big deal if this were to pass to get it passed sooner rather than later. And lastly, the attorney general for the state of Tennessee is in the news because they're going to lead a coalition against Facebook. And this is a coalition against Facebook's effort to launch Instagram for kiddies. Yeah, Facebook is if they don't have enough power and control. Now they're looking to launch something specifically targeting the children of the world. And the attorney general in Nashville for the state of Tennessee is looking to do something about it. Herbert H. Slater III is Tennessee's attorney general, and he's leading a coalition of 44 attorneys generals across the land against Facebook's plan to launch a version of Instagram for children under, not at age 13, under the age of 13. He put a statement out saying, Facebook has a record of failing to protect the safety and privacy of children. Let's not take their word for it that this time and with a product specifically created for children is going to be any different. They wrote a letter to CEO Mark Zuckerberg, the attorneys generals expressing various concerns about Facebook's proposal, including the use of the platform by predators targeting children and a whole bunch of other reasons. But again, the attorney general there of Nashville, Herbert H. Slatery III, leading a coalition against Facebook and their plan to get something going specifically for young kids. We're talking preteens in this case. And I just can't imagine Facebook going through for this. But, hey, who's going to stop them, right? They have done so many other things here in the last year that you have to scratch your head and wonder how in the world they could do such a thing. And here's Zuckerberg and company doing it again. And we'll see where this one winds up. Well, that will wrap up our first hour. Speaking of winding up, we got a whole nother hour of the Y'all Show coming up. Entertainment headlines. We'll tell you what's going on there. Plus, we also have more hashtag hullabaloo coming your way in hour two. It's y'all talk with a southern accent. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. Back in for another hour of fun. This is y'all. I am John Rawl. Our website is yall.com. It is the homepage of the South. Go on there right now for all kinds of good information and informative stuff that you can share with everybody at the next picnic at the church ground. Yeah, you can do that right there at y'all.com. In fact, later this hour, I'll walk through some of the good stuff up there at y'all, the homepage of the south also coming up here in the second hour of today's y'all show we have a look at hashtag hullabaloo part two we also have entertainment headlines coming across the world of the hollywood types and such in fact tom cruise information that i'll pass along something that happened on monday about tom cruise that we'll share with you and it has to do with the golden globes yeah all that right here on y'all talk with a southern accent if you want to connect with us 803-816-1170 y'all is the website and our email is mail m-a-i-l mail 
at y'all.com. All right, let's start out this hour with a look back at some of the big headlines going on across the Southland here on this Tuesday and some law enforcement-related stories out of the heart of Dixie as a Huntsville police officer, William Ben Darby, was convicted last week of dereliction of duty. However, they placed it there in Madison County, Alabama, as he was convicted on murder charges, actually is what it was, after he killed a person who was suicidal back in 2018, Jeff Parker, and he was convicted of murder in in that man from 2018 last week in Huntsville. And now the Alabama Democratic Party executive Wade Perry is calling for the Huntsville police chief, Mark McMurray, to be fired as well as Officer Darby. Believe it or not, Officer Darby has not been fired as of today and instead was placed on paid administrative leave following his conviction on murder charges. And Wade Perry of the Alabama Democratic Party put out an email that said, he's a convicted murderer. He shouldn't get another day's pay. Fire him and the police chief. And some people would totally be in agreement of what what this guy's asking for there. That's right. Darby was on administrative leave while awaiting trial and put on paid administrative leave on Monday. The Huntsville City Council voted to dedicate $125,000 in public money for Darby's criminal defense. A city of Huntsville spokeswoman, Lucy DeBeauty, said earlier on Monday that due to Mr. Darby's conviction, he cannot continue as a police officer. William Darby was placed on paid administrative leave today, May 10th. This is the normal process until formal proceedings under the city of Huntsville's personnel policies and procedures are complete. So perhaps that explains why this is even happening. But the beauty of Huntsville could not immediately be reached for a response to Mr. Perry's statement calling on the chief police and Darby to both be fired a civil suit is expected to move forward against former officer Darby there of the Huntsville Police Department in North Alabama. In Central Alabama, Black Lives Matter is getting pretty active in the case of Desmond Ray Jr. He was killed on Easter Sunday, and now Black Lives Matter Birmingham is demanding the resignation of Birmingham's Mayor Randall Woodfin and the police chief of that city, Patrick Smith, saying their handling of the killing of Desmond Montez Ray Jr. is unacceptable. Now, he was killed when he was fleeing from police back on Easter Sunday, and video shows that him. I think he got out of the truck and fired a shot, and the 28-year-old fatally shot in North Birmingham just before 11 p.m. on April 4th, which was actually Easter Sunday, and police dispatchers received a call about a domestic dispute taking place inside a vehicle. When officers responded, they spotted the vehicle in the 200 block of 9th Avenue West, tried to stop it, but the driver, who was identified later as Ray, refused to stop. Police pursued the vehicle until it crashed into a chain link fence on 9th Avenue West, and they say that Ray exited the vehicle, confronted the officers, and fired one round in the officer's direction. The officers then returned fire with at least eight shots, one of those striking Mr. Ray, and he died. And now in Birmingham, Black Lives Matter Birmingham demanding the resignation of the mayor of the city of Birmingham and the chief of police, Patrick Smith, saying they kind of uh, messed up the handling of the killing of Desmond Montez Ray Jr., 
from the month of April. Moving along, headlines across the southeast. It looks like we're going to have some crazy Florida woman stories to report here on today's Y'all Show. And we have that thanks to a Florida mom accused of ordering her son to fight another kid. And this woman is now going to have to have some serious consequences as a result of her actions. Jamie Gensler arrested after allegedly confronting a child about knocking over a basketball hoop. She's accused of encouraging her own son to confront the alleged victim. The children's ages not released to the media, but the mom here is a 35-year-old mama. And there in that portion of Florida, she is in trouble because of what she did to kind of instigate her, her son into getting into a fight. And then she's alleged to have got in the fight herself and did something to the kid. She's accused of directing her son during the fight, telling him to hit the alleged victim in the, quote, balls and guts. The report citing the sheriff's office out by one of the local Orlando area media outlets said authorities accused Gensler of punching the other child and slapping him. The report said that Gensler allegedly told authorities that her son was being provoked throughout the day by the alleged victim and his friends and that she faces charges of child abuse and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Yes, bad mom, 35-year-old Jamie Gensler around Orlando there, getting her son into trouble because she was getting him to fight someone else, and then she also got in the thick of things. Now we go to Port St. Lucie, and Melanie Esclera is 40 years old. She was supposed to be helping her buddies out by being the designated driver. Instead, she's the one in the slammer, and she is charged with DUI after an empty bourbon bottle was found in her car after she, I guess, plunged her car into parked cars in Port St. Lucie, and she had twice the legal limit of alcohol in her blood. Not a very good designated driver, Melanie. Yes, twice the legal limit after the police tested her following a string of crashes in Port St. Lucie where she hit other parked cars, hitting a total of three after leaving a bar. When officers arrived at the scene, the engine compartment of her 2010 sedan caught fire. Officers had to extinguish the blaze. Esclera allegedly told the officers she had just left a bar where she's supposed to be the designated driver, but inside her car they found an empty bottle of Kentucky bourbon whiskey in the front seat arrested for suspicion of driving under the influence and a separate incident also in Port St. Lucie's. Authorities found a driver passed out in their vehicle. The car was in reverse and was backed into a stop sign. <laughs> Wild night in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Here's another story from the same day. In a third incident that night in the same city of Port St. Lucie, another driver was arrested for driving under the influence going 72 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. Might want to stay away from Port St. Lucie, especially on the weekends. It looks like too many dumb decisions being made behind the wheel of cars. And we're reporting here on today's Y'all Show. How about this decision from a woman in Memphis? Not a smart decision. She's going to pay a heavy price for it. As she is accused of impersonating a police officer to extort thousands of dollars from an innocent elderly man there. Nicole Watkins in Memphis faces 
a list of charges including robbery, theft, criminal impersonation, illegal use of a credit card, financial exploitation of vulnerable adults, and false imprisonment for crimes that she allegedly committed in late January and early February of this year. And Memphis police say at one point she escaped custody when she was taken to Methodist Hospital for treatment. She's also accused of trying to extort an 84-year-old man. Police say she told the man he needed to pay thousands of dollars to have a non-existent rape charge dropped. The man told police he was told to meet Watkins at a restaurant on Germantown Parkway where she told him she would place him in handcuffs if he did not comply. Bad woman there in Memphis. And, yeah, she's going to be probably locked up for quite some time. Her next court date is May 28th, according to the court records of Shelby County, Tennessee. But, uh, yeah, it looks like she may have some other issues going on. Once she was arrested, according to police, she had to be hospitalized for previous medical conditions but ended up escaping, and she'll be charged for that escape from the Methodist Hospital there in Memphis in Tennessee. Now to Houston, Texas, and a tiger on the loose in the neighborhoods of the Houston area. Tigers are not allowed within the city limits as a pet, but somehow or another, a tiger on the loose earlier this week. And right now, we don't know exactly where this darn tiger is. It's Roman East Texas somehow, or the Houston area of Texas at least. And video of the encounter shows the tiger walking toward a Waller County, Texas sheriff's deputy who lives in the neighborhood. And it's an unusual sight, to say the least. The deputy tells the tiger's caretaker, get your tiger back inside. No shots were fired. But, yeah, tiger was not shot, but it was roaming the streets of Houston. Not what you want to see when you're going out walking the dog and encountering the Bengal tiger there from the last couple of days of the Houston suburbs. Coming back to summer big at a summer camp near you is summer camp. And last year, I have the statistics here. According to the American Camp Association, 40% of day camps and 80% of overnight camps had to be shut down in 2020 because of the coronavirus. And now most of these camps are looking forward to a really big summer in 2021 and kind of making up for lost time as they were not able to be open in 2020. So we wish them all the well. And if you've got a young, young youngster looking to maybe head off to camp, encourage them to do that. Most of us in the South have had a chance to go to some type of summer camp and have a good experience and a good memory and the connections made at those things. And, geesh, last year we couldn't do it at all. This year – splurge on those kids let them go to two camps if they want they deserve it and get them out of the house let them experience nature i was thinking the other day how many times does a kid actually get to go out in the woods in today's world a lot of kids growing up 30 40 50 70 80 years ago had plenty of woods to go run around in and now thanks to subdivisions going in all over the place thanks to people living in subdivisions thanks to when there are good tracts of land, greed comes in. And I'm sorry, a lot of these landowners clear-cut their trees and timber, and you don't have a good kind of area to go out there and hide behind trees and, and play Army or play Cowboys and Indians or whatever you do as a kid. And I feel sorry for the kids of this year. And and I spent – one reason I thought about this 
is this past weekend I was at a child's birthday party, and it was held at a place that had trampolines, like you pay money to go in and see kids jump up and down on a trampoline. I paid over $50 for three roughly 10-year-old kids to jump up and down on a trampoline for just one hour on a trampoline. For an hour, it cost me over $50. I'm in the wrong business, y'all. And I know if you're a parent, you have probably spent lots of money at trampoline parks and or bowling alleys and movie theaters. But that was a new one on me, an expense I wasn't quite ready to spend on a kid jumping up and down. But I I did it, and I smiled all the while. (laughs) When we come back on y'all, I need some entertainment to talk about because I can't talk about trampolines. Coming up, we've got a look at entertainment news. Tom Cruise is in the news, and I'll tell you why. All that headed your way, plus a love connection between an actress and the manager of the Chicago Cubs, and they're both Southerners. We'll tell you about it next on Y'all. The night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down. Mr. Personality, Lloyd Price there, singing one of his big songs, Stagger Lee. We lost Lloyd Price on May 3rd as he died. The American R&B vocalist, a native of Kenner, Louisiana, died at the age of 88. Now, if you're not familiar with Stagger Lee, he had a couple of big songs, including that one right there, which got him in a little bit of trouble when he went on American Bandstand with Dick Clark, I'll tell you. More about that in just a second, but a guy who had a, a very unique sound there. His song, Stagger Lee, released in 58, was a true story of the ghetto life that became kind of a good anthem there for those who liked that style of music in the late 1950s. And that was, again, one of a couple of big songs that he had. And he, he died this week from complications from diabetes, according to his longtime Manager, He was known as Mr. Personality for his recording of Personality, which was known for adapting the New Orleans sound of the 1950s. And also had, in addition to Stagger Lee, Laudy Miss Claudie, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member Lloyd Price has died at the age of 88, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. And he was raised in Kenner, just outside of New Orleans. His mother owned the Fish and Fry restaurant, and he picked up a lifelong interest in business and food from her. He also had a little brother named Leo. 
He had learned the trumpet and piano, sang in the church's gospel choir there in the New Orleans area, and also sang in high school, but ended up becoming a singer after being drafted in the Army and sent to Korea in the 1950s. When he returned, he found he had been replaced by Little Richard on the radio, and he'd already heard, uh, I guess, Price had already come out with Laudy Miss Claudie. That's a song that is quite unusual, a rhythm and blues song from Lloyd that was grandly introduced the New Orleans sound style. It was first recorded by Price in 1952 with Fats Domino and Dave Bartholomew during his first session for Art Roop and Specialty Records. And the song became one of the biggest selling R&B records of 52, and it crossed over to other audiences. Laudy Miss Claudie inspired many songs and has been recorded by a variety of artists, but the first recording of Laudy Miss Claudie by Lloyd Price and his orchestra on Specialty Records out of New Orleans in 1952. We're talking before a guy named Elvis Presley even recorded. So, yeah, this is one of your pioneers of rock and roll. That's why in 1998 they put Lloyd Price into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, in when the song came out, Stagger Lee, he got a chance to go perform on Dick Clark's show, the nationally televised show that Dick Clark, of course, had that made him quite famous. And Dick Clark wanted him to kind of change up some of the lyrics of that. And that created a little bit of a controversy because, well, Dick Clark insisted that he alter the lyrics to tone down its violent content. Stagger Lee was Price's version of an old blues standard recorded many times previously by other artists. I'm not sure who won that argument, but yeah, American Bandstand trying to censor Stagger Lee and Lloyd Price. Again, we lost him this week at the age of 88. The Kenner, Louisiana native, Mr. Personality, Lloyd Price. Rest in peace. Tom Cruise in the news in the last 24 hours. He is returning his Golden Globe Awards in protest of the Hollywood HFPA. What is the HFPA? It's the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And now they're in a lot of trouble because it's alleged they don't have enough diversity. And ethical questions are coming out about this agency, which helps put on the Golden Globes. In fact, the Golden Globes, it was announced on Monday, will not be airing on NBC in 2022. And that ends a decades-long relationship between NBC and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. That's the nonprofit responsible for putting on the Golden Globe Awards. And now you're seeing people like Tom Cruise returning their Golden Globe Awards in protest of the HFPA. Maybe everybody should return every award they've ever won, no matter what award show, because most of these things don't really mean a whole lot. But, yeah, the HFPA coming under scrutiny for a lack of diversity and other questions related to financial benefits given to some of their members, such as a hotel stay in connection with an Emily in Paris junket. Oh, my goodness, what is going on with the HFPA there in Hollywood? But Tom Cruise, he is leading the effort and likely will have lots of others putting those Awards back on the doorstep of the HFPA. He won the Best Actor Globes for his performances in Jerry Maguire, born on the 4th of July, and he won a Best Supporting Actor for Magnolia in the year 2000. As 
the HFPA is being attacked for its lack of diversity. Diversity specifically, they don't have any black members, and there's ethical questions related to these financial benefits. So not a good time for the HFPA in a, in a woke world that we live in, but I do find it a little bit strange if they're the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. They don't have any members from Africa, for example, to have black members or other countries like Great Britain, which have sizable black populations, or, or even France. They don't have any foreign press people. That that seems a little bit bizarre in today's world we live in, and especially coming out of Holly Weird, California. All right, how about a love story as we wrap up our entertainment headlines? It became official. It is a pairing of a an ace and another ace. An ace in the game of baseball and an ace in terms of her beauty and her TV deals or what she's been doing in television. Actress Tori DeVito and Chicago Cubs manager David Ross are an item. Oh, some good scoop here. As Tori DeVito stars on Chicago Med, and she went out officially over the last couple of days on Instagram with a picture of her kissing the Chicago Cubs manager and the hero of the Cubs World Series from a few years ago back. And she wrote in the caption, Love him madly. Now, Ross, a catcher for a whole bunch of major league clubs, including the Atlanta Braves at one point. And in 2016, he helped the Chicago Cubs end a more than 100-year drought by getting a win in Game 7. He had a home run in that game against Cleveland and helped lead Chicago, the North Siders, to a World Series title. Then he got to be the manager after the 2019 season. Now, Ross also competed on Season 24 of Dancing with the Stars and He's been married before with his wife, his former wife. He has three children. DeVito plays Dr. Matt Natalie Manning on Chicago Med, and she was married to actor Paul Wesley until they divorced in 2013. So there you have it, an actress and a, 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 a call managers kind of actors themselves the way they get animated sometimes. But he's the manager of the Cubs, David Ross, together. Now, about Tori DeVito. Did you realize she's a, a, a northerner by birth, but she got here as fast as she could? She was born in 1984. That puts her at 36 years young right now. Grew up in Florida, of all places. That's right. She grew up in Florida. In fact, one of her childhood buddies is a fellow actress of hers, and I'll tell you about her in a second. But, yeah, she started modeling when she was a young child, and she ended up getting a chance to start being in TV shows and more. And... As, she, as I said, she's on this Chicago Med, been on that medical drama series for NBC since 2015, and was also on the One Tree Hill series on the CW at one time. And she's just very talented, been in a lot of stuff, like most actors and actresses have kind of bounced around. But she graduated from Winter Park High School there in Florida and ended up going into the world of acting. And here she is now. After being in Chicago Med for these years, she's going from Chicago Med to the Chicago Cubs. And she's got David Ross, the manager of the Cubbies, as her love interest. And she's playing this one in real life right now. While growing up in Winter Park, she became good friends and remains to be great friends with actress Ariel Kebble. 
Kebble has appeared in a whole bunch of TV series, Gilmore Girls, Vampire Diaries, and she's also been in movies and such like that. But these two grew up together in Winter Garden, Florida, and they're just BFFs. But now uh, it looks like her, her BFF may not have as much time to talk to her on the phone because Tori DeVito is spending too much time talking to David Ross. And he better win. If he's going to have this Hollywood-type love affair in Chicago, he better be a winner on the diamond right now. David Ross's team is not exactly leading the NL Central. What about David Ross? I told you he's a good Southern boy. He was born in Bainbridge, Georgia. David Ross is 44 years old. And did you realize that he grew up in the Tallahassee area, although born in Bainbridge, he, he was raised in Tallahassee, he attended Florida State University's Laboratory School, Florida High School there in Tallahassee. And he played high school baseball for the Florida High School Demons and ended up having a chance to go to college. Where did he go? Not to the nearby FSU. He went to the Plains as he got a scholarship to attend Auburn, and he played baseball for the Auburn baseball team from 1996 to 1997, ultimately went on to be in professional baseball player, a pro baseball player, first appearing with the Dodgers in 2002. And he had a long history with teams all over the league, including a stint with the Braves from 2009 to 2012. And then as a Chicago Cub, 2015-2016, he helped the Cubs win the World Series. He also helped the Boston Red Sox win a World Series as he was a member of that team when it won a World Series in 2013. So he's a two-time World Series champ and now the manager of Chicago's North Side baseball team. David Ross, actress Tori DeVito, an item, if you will, and they're making great hits together on Chicago's North Side. We wish them a lot of a lot of success there. Not easy to be in the public spotlight and trying to have a romance, but Chicago's a good time, a good town to do such a thing. Maybe they'll go have them a good deep dash pizza and really get the love affair cranked up a notch, if you will. That's a quick look at some entertainment headlines here on this Y'all Show Tuesday edition. When we come back, we're going to give you part two of our hashtag hullabaloo for this Tuesday. We found some more good stuff coming in into our inbox here at Y'all. And we'll have that for you as the Y'all Show continues. Also, before the hour's up, we'll take a quick look at what's going on on the pages of y'all.com. Hang on. Heat wave coming, I'll come running with a big 
Oh, the summer is coming. We're just weeks away, frankly, when you can get that bikini on, no matter, I guess, what gender you are, and uh, head out to head out to the lake or the beach and, and just soak it all in, the sunshine and the suds or whatever you need to have to get your summer on. This is, y'all, we got our summer smile on because here on the show that covers the South, we love to go to our inbox at mail at y'all.com or our inbox via our tweet and or our phone calls 803-816-1170 is how you can reach us here on the all y'all show and we've got some tweets coming in fact let's go ahead and start out i'm getting a little hungry so why not spice it up thanks to southern soul sisters catering they're on twitter at soul sister llc we are two sisters on a mission in the kitchen We aim to get our food truck up and running soon to bring your fave southern dishes to a location near you. Well, at Soul Sister LLC. Hold on a second. Let me punch this in. I think that was the right amount of digits. I'm texting you my location because I want you to bring your favorite southern dishes to me. Now, if y'all want to text them or let them know where you are, I'm sure they'll be happy to help you out at Southern Souls LLC. So, what they have put out that caught my attention here on this Tuesday Y'all Show, it's part of our hashtag Hullabaloo, hey, they've got out a tweet that says, so good, make you slap your mama, and they were pretty creative in how they put that out there, because there really is a hot sauce called slap your mama, at slap, Y-A-M-A-M-A, slap your mama hot sauce. And I had to double-check this. Sure enough, there's a hot sauce out of Louisiana. Of course it's out of Louisiana. It's Slap Your Mama on Twitter, at Slap Y-A Mama, Slap Your Mama. We make delicious food products that you will love. Okay. Well, that looks good. And again, according to Southern Soul Sisters Catering, this would be so good, it would make you slap your mama. And they've got this dish, it looks like, on maybe some chicken that appears to be on their Twitter account there. But how about that? Next time you're in the grocery store, maybe you'll find a nice collection of Slap Your Mama products. And if you do, it might just make you want to slap your mama. Thank you on Twitter for sharing this helpful information. Okay, we'll move from food to more fun and travel. How about let's go to the East Tennessee area. And Hapy Cabin Rentals at H-A-P-E-Y Cabin. Sharing our great Smoky Mountains cabins and condo with you. We know you will fall in love to Hapy Cabin Rentals. And they put out a tweet that said, Tonight we dined at our favorite place for an early anniversary dinner. We've eaten at the Old Mill TN for years, but only tried the ribs tonight. Wow. Hashtag Yummy. Again, this is a place in the Gatlinburg area, Hapy Cabin Rentals, and they're putting out how they, at Hapy Cabin Rentals, went away from their property to go to a place called the Old Mill, and there they had an amazing anniversary dinner, and they had it at the Old Mill, and they tried the ribs, and they said, wow, 
yummy. Well, that's enough testimonial for me. Let me tell you about the old mill on Twitter at the old mill TN, as they indicate on their profile, history, dining, shopping, in the historical old town area of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And this is located at 164 Old Mill Avenue in Pigeon Forge, serving hearty Southern classics, family style, and a beautiful historic setting. The Old Mill Restaurant's delicious comfort food and friendly welcoming atmosphere is loved by locals and visitors alike. You can go to the Old Mill for breakfast, lunch, or supper at tables that overlook the Little Pigeon River as it flows through the water wheel of the 200-year-old mill. You won't leave hungry. And I'm looking at a picture there from the Old Mill. Looks like this is of Old Mill corn that you can get there at the Old Mill, 164 Old Mill Avenue in Pigeon Forge. Send them a letter if you'd like. The zip code there is 37863. Tell them you heard about it on the Y'all Show, and you want to know if your own anniversary dinner could be held right there at the Old Mill in Pigeon Forge. And of course, that area, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, a wonderful tourist destination really year-round. But as we get through these summer months, Clint Black was just singing about summer's coming. Man, I know going to the beach is always fun in the summertime, but some of us just can't handle that heat. So it's a little bit cooler. It's a little bit nicer in the mountains of the Tennessee, North Georgia, North Carolina, Shenandoah Valley, Ozarks. Don't want to leave them out. Check it out if you get a chance. And if you're there in East Tennessee, go to the Old Mill. And if you have a place or need a place to stay, don't forget about Happy Cabin Rentals right there in the Great Smoky Mountains. And tell them y'all sent y'all to them. Next up, we have something from the National Park Trust as we're planning our summer getaways. The National Park Trust on Twitter, at Nat Park Trust, completing our national parks and inspiring a new generation of park stewards. And they have a message out that they're wanting to share. Which North American bird is large, stays white all year, and scoops up prey using its bill? Well, it's the American white pelican. These water-loving birds migrate throughout the Midwest and southern U.S. Check out the map to see where their range is. And I'm looking closely at the, again, the American white pelican, their range. And they have their breeding areas and then their migration area. And then they have, according to this map here, their non-breeding area or where you'll find them really throughout the entire year. Now, I don't know why they have to go to Canada to do this, but it looks like pelicans have to go up to Canada, really way north into Canada, to breed. They migrate throughout the west, but their non-breeding area and where they typically hang out year-round is throughout the Gulf Coast and Atlantic coast of Florida. They don't seem to, according to this map put out by this organization, seem to be north of Jacksonville on the Atlantic coast. So if you've seen the American white pelican, chances are you've seen it along the Texas coast, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida Gulf Coast, and then stretching along the Florida Atlantic coast up to Jacksonville is where it appears this bird is typically found. But yes, the National Park Trust giving us our 
ornithologist talk here on today's y'all show and always good to see our pelicans of the south in fact there's an nba team called the pelicans that might need to fly north to canada and migrate for a while if they don't make the playoffs here this year but good information coming from the national park trust here on this y'all hashtag hullabaloo part deux on today's y'all show We've got one more segment headed your way after this in the second hour. It's an update on what's on the pages of y'all, the homepage of the South, y'all.com. It's coming up. Don't forget, hour three, we'll have our closing argument. Art Cruz in the house, and he'll be here to share his thoughts on all things Southern, all right here on y'all. You don't want to miss out on it. It's y'all talk with a southern accent, a little Otis Rush. You know my love on this Tuesday. And you know my website. It's y'all.com. It's the homepage of the South. It's absolutely free for you to go gander and find out what's going on across the Southland on the homepage of the South. And we try to mix it up if you go there right now. You're going to learn about rotten things in your house. Thanks to Tricks of the Trade, Jimmy Duke, John Allen have this wonderful show. We get it televised each week and put it up at y'all.com. And you can go there right now and learn about all that on that home improvement czar of the South, Mr. Allen. Also, you can go there for other great videos of which I'll tell you a little bit more about here in a second. But Kobe Bennett who you'll hear in Hour 3 today with a Southern Accent Report. He's got some good stories up right now about hunting for mushrooms. He was on last week to tell us about hunting for morals, M-O-R-E-L-S. You can check that out. He also has a story up about how in the Florida Keys they have released genetically modified skeeters to help control the population there and Maybe if you get stung by a mosquito in the Keys these days, it won't be quite so painful. And your arms, if you're like me, swell up to be about a baseball-sized mosquito bite in the summertime months. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for blood suckers, if you will, to come attach to myself. And I know if you're a good Southerner, you're going to attract those creatures to you at some point. But check out this article that Kobe's got up about mosquitoes and this new kind of genetically modified mosquito that's been released along the Florida Keys. Ainsley Lawrence has an awesome and tasty 
article up, throwing the perfect backyard barbecue for any occasion. We had that out last week. In fact, our barbecue barrister, who's not on with us today, he had a cancellation here at the last second, something going on. We wish him the well with that. But our barbecue barrister weighed in on Ainsley's article last week whenever he was on with us. So you can go read this, throwing the perfect backyard barbecue for any occasion. That's up right now at y'all.com homepage of the South. And then here in the last few days, we've got a couple of really good video interviews. We encourage you to go to y'all.com and read and watch the interviews. Yeah, you can read the little description, but you can watch the 20 to 25 minute interviews we've got up right now, including our interview with author Peter Stoddard, who has written the new Lewis Grizzard theme book. It's got nearly 500 pages on the great Southern newspaper columnist of the 1970s, 80s, and early 90s, Lewis Grizzard. And his book is called Lewis Grizzard, The Dog That Did Not Hunt. And we've got the, both the article and our video interview with this Atlanta-based author, Peter Stoddard, up at y'all.com. That is a great interview and really enjoyed talking to Mr. Stoddard. We also have up, if you want to get your bluegrass fix, Jimmy Melton. He is a Henderson, Tennessee native, and he's got the perfect song out that kind of combines bluegrass music and the coronavirus. Deal with this is the song. We had a chance to interview him on the Friday Y'all Show last week. Perhaps you heard that. If you didn't hear it, well, you're in luck. You can go to y'all.com and catch up with the interview on Jimmy Melton, who's right now getting ready to go out on tour with country music's Jamie Johnson. He's his backup musician there. And Jimmy Melton is doing a great job with this song that if you haven't heard it, you will actually hear it in the y'all.com interview. Just hit play and you can catch up with this Tennessee native and deal with this. Jimmy Melton, Bluegrass Meets Coronavirus. That is up right now on the pages of y'all.com. And lastly, as we have up now, we'll add more video interviews here in the coming days. Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller, he was on our show Monday talking about how the price of lumber has gone sky high and also what may have been the cause for that. He says it could be the government CRP program, which was put into a place back in the 1990s. Well, all those trees 25 years later are getting harvested, and that's kind of created a surplus. But why is that affecting timber prices? Jerry Short explains. Here's a guy who's worked for the timber industry for decades and he weighs in at y'all.com. He, he was on our show Monday. But you can watch our interview with Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller, on y'all.com. Do that. Also, tune in later this week. We've got a great interview that we're going to have with Chris Hillman, a founding member of The Birds, also with the Flying Burrito Brothers. And then in country music in the late 80s, he was a member of the Desert Rose Band. And we're going to be catching up with Chris Hillman on the y'all show and you can watch that interview as well when we get it posted later in the week so so many reasons for you to kind of tune in and catch up with what's going on with y'all the homepage of the south we've got hour three the closing argument of the y'all show coming at you after this time out stick around art Cruz, he's back from his lengthy vacation and we'll get to talk to him about what he's been doing the last couple of days here on the Y'all Show. He wasn't on vacation. He was he was out doing lots of important stuff. But it's great to have him back. He'll be on with us in Hour 3. Stay tuned for the closing argument. we got sports talk. We've got other things going on across the South that we'll get Art's take on. All that here on the show that covers the South. This is Y'all.
Get ready. It's the closing argument here on Y'all Hour 3. John Rawl now with Art Cruz. And we're going to be cruising the south with Art. Art, good to see you. It's been a couple of days since you were here in the saddle. Oh, thank you, John. Good to be here, bud. Good to hear and see your voice. And uh, good to hear your voice and see you in person. Yeah, I, I get a little I get a little excited when Art's here. I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's, it's a normal reaction. Yeah. I, I, I deal with it. Every day of my life. Yes, I know. With not just me, right? Oh, everyone. Okay. Oh, it's common. Yeah. Okay, all right. I was about to say, I, I know I'm excited, but I, I think the rest of the world's excited when Art's playing house with us on the Y'all Show. We're going to be talking sports with Art, some maybe Aaron Rodgers news. Uh, everybody else is talking about it. Why not us here, Art? We're going to talk about what's going to happen with the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Art's in to talk about that and other fun stuff. So let's kind of dive right into that since that's kind of the big sports developing story as Aaron Rodgers, he ain't happy to kind of sum it up. And I talked about this earlier in the show today. I think it all goes back to the Packers getting love out of Utah State to be a backup quarterback. And they, how dare they drafted him in 2020 and didn't get his permission. Well, it, it, that's true. If if the problem is, the Packers have been right on the cusp of going to multiple Super Bowls over the past five to seven years, and you would expect the Packers to have drafted a weapon to help Aaron Rodgers push them past the finish line. But what they've done over the years is draft defense instead of drafting offensive weapons to help Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the cherry, proverbial cherry on top was the the Packers, not this year, but last year, using a first-round draft pick to choose Jordan Love, a quarterback from Hawaii, who is going to be Aaron Rodgers' replacement. Now, Aaron Rodgers looked around probably at that point and said, well, they're not getting anybody to help me win. They're not getting another running back. They're not getting another wide receiver for me to throw to. They're not getting another offensive lineman to protect me. They're already looking past me and drafting my replacement. So I don't think the salt in that wound ever really was washed out. And now it looks like... uh, well, it doesn't look like we know that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, and I, it's not news. Uh, I'm not. I don't have any sources, but I would just like the Tennessee Titans to take a look at getting Aaron Rodgers. At first blush, you think, well, they've got a quarterback, but John, why not get the best? Why not get the future Hall of Famer? He's got at least three or four more years left. That's about the window for Derrick Henry uh, in his career in terms of how long an NFL running back uh, lasts. Team those two guys up and let's make a run at the Super Bowl. What's the problem you have with Tannehill? Oh, I really don't have a problem with Tannehill at all. Uh, I've always been a Ryan Tannehill guy. I remember when the um, Titans traded for Tannehill, when Tannehill was with the Dolphins, I told uh, my son, I remember, uh, you wait and see. He will replace Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback by game six or seven. And it was one of those times, John, that I was right. Shocking, I know. But uh, Tannehill Hill has done a great job for the Titans. The only, you know, his quarterback rating is is, um, fifth best over the past, over his career with the Titans. Uh, over the past couple of seasons, his passer rating uh, 
has been second in the league. The only the only criticism I would have of Ryan Tannehill is that when opposing defenses in the playoffs have keyed their defenses to stop the Titans' other weapons, he hasn't been able to put the Titans on his back and win the game himself. You know, sometimes the quarterback has just got to be able to make a play himself, and Tannehill has been in that position a couple of times, and he hasn't been able to you know, put the team on his back, like I said, and um, take them across the finish line. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, has made a career of doing that, and I think he could give the Titans that little extra boost. But I'm not looking to get rid of Ryan Tannehill. I'm a Tannehill guy. But if I could get Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't pass up that opportunity. It is a a little alarming, your current NFL MVP. We don't know where he's going to play for. No, uh, no. In 2021. No, and uh, why not Nashville? Why not Nashville? Bring him on home. Uh, we can show him some uh, some Tennessee hospitality. Uh, I know, I would have to think, that he'd be very comforted by the fact that he could turn around with the football and give it to the king, Derrick Henry. Uh, the Titans need some help at wide receiver. Uh, we'll see if they get that from the draft. They drafted a couple of wide receivers, but if I, they certainly attempted to plug their holes on defense through the draft. But just the thought of having Aaron Rodgers back there, when you get into the playoffs, and when you get into the playoffs, it's a it's a more physical physical game. It's a more closely matched game, of course, because you've got only the best teams making the playoffs, and that's when the superstars make their money. That's when you've got to step up and do something out of the ordinary, and who better to do it at the quarterback position than Aaron Rodgers? I'm, I'm, I've always been an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm obviously a Tennessee Titans fan. I'm just looking for this. Who are you not a fan of? Let's just get it out there. Uh, uh, we're, 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 what, what sport are we looking <laughs> no, at? I'm, I'm just no. picking. I didn't just pick oh, it on here. I, I will say, if they hadn't have kind of uh, gone down the aisle and gotten married to this guy in the offseason – you would think the Dallas Cowboys would be a possible landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, reuniting him with McCarthy there in Dallas. But well, I don't know that that marriage that marriage was always fairly rocky. Uh, Aaron Rodgers certainly has his way of thinking, and he's entitled to it. He's going to be a, like I said, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mike McCarthy uh, and Aaron Rodgers always didn't get along. Both of them are professionals. And they worked their way through things, and they obviously were successful in Green Bay. I don't think that's something that the Cowboys nor Rodgers would have looked forward to. The teams that I see that maybe have a shot at uh, where Aaron Rodgers would be a good fit, like I say, the Titans would be, uh, uh, the Browns would be. Uh, that, that would really make headlines if you, if you traded Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Rodgers was involved in a deal that also involved Baker Mayfield. You've got the Broncos out there, obviously. They're leading the pack in terms of the team that will probably get Aaron Rodgers if, indeed, Rodgers is traded. Uh, the Raiders are another possible landing spot. But as a Titans fan, I can I can sit over here and dream, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, dream, dream, dream. What was the, the loss the Titans had in 2020s, uh, rather 2019's postseason? They lost in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. That was a game where, well, offensively, what happened in that game? 
golly, Bill, you really asking me to put my head back into the wayback machine. The best, did the Titans go out to a big lead in that game? And just simply couldn't hold the Chiefs off. Is that what it was? Yeah, I mean, you 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 got um, Patrick Mahomes on the other side, and uh, uh, in that game, uh, healthy Patrick Mahomes, and he's probably one of the most, if that the most difficult quarterback to defend in the National Football League. Uh, but these these are games that you mentioned, John. The game like that is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, at the beginning of the game, the Titans go out to a big lead, and then they're shut down. Uh, the, the Chiefs make adjustments on defense, and the Titans – I don't remember exactly. All right, well, let's but, fa- fast but, forward to this year where they had a home well, game, playoff game against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. It's the same situation the Chiefs game and the Ravens game. You get stalemated by the other team. Somebody has to make a play. You're not going to trick the other team. Uh, you're not going to out scheme the other team. At, at one, at some point in a game like that, athletes are going to have to make a play, and that's when you can rely on Aaron Rodgers probably to make a better play than Ryan Tannehill could. That's no knock on Tannehill. It just speaks to the ability of Aaron Rodgers and his ability to rise to the occasion. You've mentioned a couple of close games where the Titans could have won those games, could have gone to the Super Bowl if they had somebody to make a play. I'm hoping Aaron Rodgers can do it. And, again, the Titans changing up their offensive coordinator after Smith moves on to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Well, if there is a trade or there's a vacancy for the Green Bay Packers, there's a new old quarterback, it looks like, in the works in the NFL again, Tim Tebow. Oh, my gosh. You think he could be the Packers quarterback? <laughs> I don't think he could be anybody's quarterback, John. Well, he might be somebody's tight end as the developing story from the NBA Monday or the NFL Monday that Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer reuniting this time, not in Gainesville, but in Duval as the Jaguars plan to sign him to a tight end position on a one-year contract. Is this a good thing? I just don't understand it. I really don't. I I get the fact that it's a reunion uh, between Urban Meyer and Tebow, but I really don't understand what the Jaguars' thinking is. You might also, you also in situations like this where you maybe not understand what's going on, you always follow, follow the money. But is this a money grab by the Jaguars? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to need to sell a bunch of Tebow jerseys. They're going to be uh, busy manufacturing enough um, Lawrence jerseys um, to line their pockets. So you've got tight ends all over the place that maybe are trying to hook on with National Football League teams, guys that have played football at the professional level lately, guys that have played that position. But – if, the, if they really needed tight end help, it looks like the Jaguars would go get one of those guys. But now they turn to Tebow, a guy who has never, ever played tight end in the National Football League, never played tight end anywhere as far as I know, and he hasn't played football of any kind in what? Is it like eight years or so, John? I mean, he hasn't played any football at all. I give this, uh, I really, again, I don't understand why they're doing it, I don't know if they need. I don't think they need the publicity. I don't think it's a money grab. It's just a mystery to me. I give the, Tebow maybe, maybe a fifty-fifty chance to make that team in the end. All right. Well, I don't claim to know the entire Jags roster, but I can't tell you a single tight end on their team, 
Do they have a tight end? I can't. I couldn't name a tight end on the Jags team if uh, under any circumstances. You know, you got fifty three guys on uh, an active roster on game days, and then of course, all NFL teams have a practice squad, and that can be anywhere from eleven or twelve to fifteen or sixteen guys. So, when you add those fifteen or sixteen guys to the fifty three, you obviously you get pretty close to seventy. It would. I would. I would not bet more than the change that I have in my pocket that Tim Tebow will make that seventy-man opening day roster. I, I would be shocked, beyond shock, if he were to be on that opening fifty-three-man roster. But what what does it tell, John? What does it tell if you're a veteran on that Jaguars team? What message does that send? to those veterans on that Jaguar team that Urban Meyer is going out and signing not necessarily the best football players, but his friends. That, that's a tough message, I think. Uh, Do you think two months ago Tim Tebow was even thinking about trying to go back to the NFL? Uh, I think he probably started thinking about it the day Urban Meyer was hired. Okay. Uh, they're, they're, they're buds from way back. And, and look, I'm, I'm a as much as I hate to say this, I'll go ahead and get it out. I am a Tim Tebow fan. I like Tim Tebow. I know he played at a university uh, which has drubbed my alma mater for the past 15 years or so. But I, I have always respected Tim Tebow, especially the way in the face of criticism, in the face of people making fun of him, using him as the butt of jokes, has always put his faith out front always proud of his faith, never backed down. And I respect him so much as an athlete, too. I don't know that in my long history of watching college football I've ever seen a player more dominant than Tim Tebow. Have there been better football players that I've seen? Oh, absolutely. Tons of better football players. But as far as one guy dominating a game, I don't know that I've seen anybody that dominates more than Tebow. So, Point being, I'm not going to sell him short. I'm not going to say he can't do it. I mean, here's a guy who's one of the few that uh, have played professional sports, uh, two professional sports. Uh, he's a baseball player and a football player. Now, most of us would would love to be able to play one. He's played two. Um, he never made it to the major leagues in baseball. He got as high as AAA in the New York Mets organization. But he always seems to have done what he's put his mind to. So I'm not going to say he's not going to do it, but I'd still wonder, John, what is the thought process? What is the reason uh, the Jaguars are doing this? And I say that because I question whether this sends the right message to other members on the team or potential free agents to come to Jacksonville. And they may be thinking, you know, are we really down here to win or is Urban Meyer just buddying up hiring his friends and buddies instead of a tight end who's laying around maybe not affiliated with a team now who could sign with the Jaguars and help them because there's a reason you've never heard of any of the Jags tight ends because they don't have a good one I have heard of one of them I actually our crack research team here at the y'all show has pulled up the tight ends roster for the Jacksonville Jaguars okay. get ready for this all-star lineup okay at number 87, tight end from Georgia Tech, Tyler Davis. Okay, that's uh, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> at number 86, 
tight end out of North Dakota State, the Bison, Ben Ellison. Um, you know, no, you're nothing, giving me, you're giving you, me nothing, a roster of, of no Another names. Jags tight end no. out of Ohio State. This is a guy's a rookie, so he hasn't quite made the team. Luke Farrell. You're not going to be able to name a tight end that I've ever heard right. of. Well, you probably heard of this guy out of Canisius. Tight end, 6'6", 255 pounds, a former Carolina Panther. I've heard of this guy, Chris Manhurts. I'm glad that you heard of him because – You haven't? I haven't, and Chris's mom will be glad to hear that you heard of him in, in, in view of the fact that I haven't. All right. Well, lastly, a Redbird on the Jaguars roster on the tight end position at least. He's number 80 in your program, but number one in your hearts. A Redbird, so you know who I'm talking about. No, I have no idea. Memphis Redbirds? No, I have no idea. Uh, this is a seven-year veteran out of Illinois State, James O'Shaughnessy. Okay, good. Have you heard him? <laughs> now, we've gone through five tight ends that the Jaguars have, and I've heard of none of them. That certainly doesn't mean that – uh, they're not capable tight ends, but it means they don't have a star there anyway. And the position is open for the taking. The only question is whether Tim Tebow is the right guy to take that job. I, they've got us talking about it. I don't know that that was the reason behind the move or not, but uh, this is going to be a headline for a day or two, and then we'll then – No, we'll, it's, if Tebow's involved, I mentioned it earlier in today's Y'all Show, if you mention Tim Tebow, you're – clicks and your downloads increase fivefold well there's no doubt there's no doubt like i say they've got us talking about it but as far as the basis the underlying basis for it as a football move i just can't get there i wish him the best i hope he catches 100 balls and goes to the pro bowl but i just just don't see it well there's a, another former baseball player that is up for the taking possibly by the nfl after he was released by the Los Angeles Angels, Albert Pujols. He, oh you think he could be a tight end? Now that is the most unceremonious end to a career that I have seen in quite some time, John. Well, can I pat myself on the back here for a minute? Sure. How no. about John and Art talking about Albert Pujols last week, wanting to know what was up with him? And the very day we bring this up, he was released by the Angels. And it's, there's been a lot of of uh, loose, uh, unattributed talk about what happened with Albert in his last couple of days with the Angels. Uh, there have been several stories that have centered upon the fact that Joe Madden, who is the, the manager of the California Angels, promised Albert Pujols that he would be getting a lot of playing time in the near future. And then the next day, the next day after this promise was supposedly made, Albert Pujols was not in the lineup against a left-handed pitcher. Albert, again, from sources that uh, – well, several sources indicate that he um, threw a fit, as we say, and um, called out Madden, called out the front office. Joe Madden subsequently said that the reason Albert was not in the lineup was because of the front office. The front office told him to do that, got involved in the everyday lineup making of the team. Normally, of course, that's left to the manager, but the front office engineered this with Albert. 
Uh, Albert supposedly said that he could still play and he didn't want to play for the Angels if their future plans didn't include playing him on an everyday basis. The Angels said, well, Albert, our plans don't, so here's your release. But John, for the first 10 years of his baseball career, has there ever been another right-handed batter better than Albert Pujols? I mean, you talk about a dominant player. Uh, he spent 11 seasons with the Cardinals, 10 with the Angels. With the Cardinals, he batted 328, an OPS of over 1, 1.037. What is OPS? OPS is a statistic which measures your on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage. In the olden days, I'm talking about in my early life, of course, Batters were evaluated by batting average, home runs, and runs batted in. You always saw that as the benchmark to when you were evaluating a hitter. Now a whole new set of statistics are out there called sabermetrics. And OPS is one of those statistics that supposedly gives us an insight, a better insight into the production of a hitter. A hitter, if he's getting on base... If he is walking a lot, and if he is slugging, in other words, hitting for power, hitting doubles, triples, and home runs, an average OPS, a pretty good OPS in the major leagues would be 750, 775 or so. When you get around 800, uh, those are the guys you look for to be on your team because anything over 800 is really, really good. When you're in the stratosphere where Albert Pujols laid with the Cardinals at 1.037, that's that's Hall of Fame territory, and that's where Albert's heading. He hit 445 home runs for the Cardinals in that 11-year period. Now, he played for the Angels for 10 years. Just as an example of how his career fell off with the Angels, he went from 445 home runs with the Cardinals to only 222 with the Angels. His OPS, again, with the Cardinals, was 1.037. With the Angels, it was under 800, 758. His batting average fell from 328 with the Cardinals to 256 with the Angels. So you have a man who had a Hall of Fame career, first ballot Hall of Fame career with the Cardinals. He went to free agency, signed a huge 10-year contract with the Angels, and then precipitously his 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 career numbers fell off the table you mentioned this when we talked about pool holtz last week we're with art cruz this is y'all and okay so they say goodbye albert we don't want you here anymore but they've got what kind of deal do they have where they have to essentially keep him on some kind of payroll for 10 years or something yeah, that's 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 an interesting interesting thing john as part of the agreement albert Pujols signed when he was a free agent with the Angels. When his the his contract said that when his playing days were over, he would have a ten year personal services contract with the Angels that paid him around t- I believe it's around a million dollars a year. So, the question at this point is, since the Angels released him, since it doesn't look like Albert will be in any mood to do any public relations work for the Angels, whether he's going to fulfill that contract or whether uh, 
he wants to or whether the angels want him to. That That's something that really hasn't been addressed, but there's a 10-year contract out there for Albert Pujols uh, to promote the angels, to work for the angels, uh, to do basically uh, lighthouse work for the angels. <laughs> and uh, it remains to be seen whether he can do and whether that would be an impediment to him signing elsewhere. I really don't know. You know, that part of the contract, to my knowledge, is not public. So I don't know the exact language of the contract. But it's very interesting that you release a player, but uh, you also, when releasing that player, also have him signed to a contract for 10 years for a million dollars for his personal services. Very interesting dilemma that the Angels and Albert are in right now. But to their credit, 10 years, that's, I mean, it seems like yesterday to me Then when he took off to California from St. Louis. We've got more sports to talk about with Art Cruz. Also, we've got a Southern accent on the arts from Kobe Bennett coming up here as we wrap up our y'all show, our closing argument this third hour. We'll be right back. All right, ETSU Buck, Kenny Chesney getting us back in here on today's Y'all Show, our closing argument with our Cruz. I'm John Rawl. Don't you like the way he said the word W-H-I-T-E in that song, Art? I didn't notice. White. 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 Do you say white or white? W-I-T-E is the way you spell that word, John. White. Okay. You're right. You're right. All right. Hey, we still got baseball to talk about. We were discussing before we took a timeout. Albert Pujols, now unemployed. Poor guy. I don't uh, know if he's going to be able to make it. He's only making $30 million this year, so okay, we can pray for him. Is there a chance that Albert Pujols could be back in St. Louis? Well, uh, you've entitled my segment here as the closing argument. Which side of the argument do you want me to take? Or argument I mean, do the Cardinals him? need him? The Cardinals don't need him, no. Okay. No, the Cardinals don't need him at all. Uh, the Cardinals have Paul Goldschmidt playing first base. The Cardinals are in the National League where they don't have the designated hitter this year. So Albert obviously can't play designated hitter. He obviously can't play first base because of Goldschmidt's presence and one of the best first basemen in the league. So Albert would be relegated to being a pinch hitter and once-a-week player, once-every-two-weeks player at first base because he can't play anywhere else. I mean, he, at his age, uh, 
Uh, he's not going to be able to play a corner outfield. He can barely move well enough to play first base. So the Cardinals don't need him. What I, is there a groundswell of people of support wanting the Cardinals to sign him again? Yes, there is. Just because of the nostalgia factor. You've got Adam Wainwright on the Cardinals uh, in his 18th or so year. Yadier Molina, same same tenure with the Cardinals. And a lot of people would like to get the band back together, bring Pujols back, and let Pujols retire as a Cardinal along with Wainwright and Molina. I would love to see Albert Pujols retire as a Cardinal. I think he should retire as a Cardinal. That's where he made his uh, baseball bones in St. Louis. He's really been an afterthought ever since he went to California. But you don't, in my opinion, sign Albert over a season like this year where the Cardinals are contending uh, for the playoff spot. You don't sign Albert uh, for the balance of the year just because of nostalgia. If they wanted to bring him back in the last week or so, uh, the last day or a few days of the season uh, for Albert to tell St. Louis goodbye, then that would be great. But I would hate to see them take up a roster spot with a hitter like Albert, who obviously is a, is a Hall of Famer, but he's quite unproductive at this point. And uh, it would just be him holding a roster spot for nostalgia purposes, and that's not the way to win baseball games. Art Cruz, I've got to ask you. You kind of keep up with baseball more than I do, for sure. I got to know this deep, deep personal thing about you. Okay, since we're talking baseball, are you one of those that keeps score? You mean uh, in a scorebook or in a yeah. scorecard? Yeah, I have many times like in the past. You yes. go to a game and. Like even a professional game, and you're going to be over there keeping score. No, no, no. You're not one of those. No, I'm not one of those. I'm, I'm, um, I want my, I want to be fully aware of what's going on. If if an opportunity arises for uh, your heart to take a picture, as uh, my wife might say, just you want to be open to the sights and sounds of a baseball game. Baseball is a beautiful game, and. Uh, a lot of people think it moves along slowly, but it moves along, you know, quite frankly, quickly if you know what to look for. And I have found that if you divert your attention to, to staring at a scorecard and making sure your scorecard's right, uh, you don't enjoy the game or you won't be able to enjoy parts of the game. Uh, you miss parts of the game. Now, if I'm on the radio, if I'm doing play-by-play, which I've never done, but if I did play-by-play, I would keep a scorecard. Would you? Yeah, I would because, you know, batters come up, second time at bat, third time at bat. You need to be able to tell people who are listening on the broadcast what they did their first time at bat, what they did their second time at bat. You keep score and you make notes. Everybody has their own unique way of keeping score, and uh, you would make notes to yourself, I would think, if you were broadcasting a game on your scorecard. But as far as just going – no, I'm not one. Of, you know that that used to be a thing. Uh, it was quite prevalent you know, years and years ago. But you don't see too many people in in stadiums, or as my Latin teacher would snap, slap my knuckles and say, "Stadia." Uh, you don't see too many people keeping score anymore like you used to. That that's that's something that that you just don't see much anymore, John. Well, let's bring it back. You talked about baseball in some cases being slowed down. 
since we're on the subject of Major League Baseball with you, Art, what about this new trend that I've seen in this season, and I don't think I've seen it in past seasons, of there's at least one pitcher, maybe more than one, out there throwing the ball at a mighty speed of around 50 miles per hour. Have you seen that? Well, I, I, there are some guys that really throw lollipop curveballs in the league. Uh, uh, Adam Wainwright throws his one of his off-speed curveballs down in the 60-mile-an-hour range. Um, that would be about my fastball these days. Uh, but, no, I haven't seen a lot of guys throwing the ball that slow. I have seen a lot of kids throw the ball 100 miles an hour and above. I, I am just really – never cease to be amazed at where they keep finding these kids that can throw the ball so darn hard. Every bullpen on every team has one or two guys that can light that radar gun up to three digits. I know it just not too long ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, the average speed of a fastball in the major leagues was like 88 miles per hour. Now the average average fastball in major league baseball is 94 miles per hour it is really shocking to me that you have to have a 94 mile an hour fastball to have an average fastball in the major leagues these days and people wonder why is hitting down why are there so many strikeouts in uh, baseball that's multifactorial but one of the big factors in causing all those strikeouts is all these people throwing the ball 95 and 100 miles per hour well, that is unless their names are Zach Greinke for the Astros with a fifty mile, fifty-one mile per hour pitch, and mm-hmm. then he was bested by the Twins, Willens Astadillo. It's, it's all you, baby. You got this one, John. <laughs> he he, was, he just played the other day. He came in and struck out the side with a forty-six mile per hour pitch. It's, it's hard to to throw a ball sixty feet six inches. The distance between the rubber and the plate it's hard to throw a ball that far and only throw it 40 something miles per hour i'd like <laughs> to see that pitch it's pretty amazing there now, now from Z- this zach grinke of course is uh in my mind he's going to be up uh going to the hall of fame he's a, been a very very good pitcher throughout his career he's in the twilight of his career now but grinke yeah every once in a while just for entertainment purposes i suppose He'll throw one up there in the 50-mile-an-hour range uh, just to keep hitters looking. And, of course, like I said, it's it's entertaining to see a major league pitcher throw a ball that slowly sometimes, too. But uh, he's done that for the past couple of years. He's an odd duck, Zach Grinke is, and um, throwing the ball 50 miles an hour only cements his reputation as being an odd duck. Yeah, well, we make a big deal in baseball now out of exit velocity. Mm-hmm. When a ball's only going 51 miles per hour and a – batter hits it that probably makes it harder to get out of the ballpark right you're darn right you've got to supply all the all the power your exit velocity is uh you know it's hard to hit a baseball a long ways when you just pitch the ball up to yourself and hit it it's it's uh, much more capable of hitting the ball further when you're batting off of someone and the same principle holds true when you're batting off of a fastball versus a 50 mile an hour pitch you're going to have a lot of trouble hitting that ball very far. Every once in a while, it will happen, but uh, uh, there's some there's some there's some thought behind throwing the ball that slowly. Uh, you can get hitters out with it, especially if your other pitches are 40 miles an hour faster than that. <laughs> All right. Well, some science behind 
baseball. Well, science is in play this week in college baseball. Tennessee, the Vols, a top 10 college baseball team, will be playing the number one team in college baseball, the Arkansas Razorbacks. And some news on the spectator side of things there in the stadia. Art, what can you tell us? Well, now, this is just being the stadium. Uh, not not stadia. No, Miss Smith, my Latin teacher, would wrap your knuckles. Now, stadia is the plural of stadium. Oh, see, so we don't stadiums. She would say is not a word, but in in Knoxville, isn't it amazing, John, that Tennessee has played several games lately with uh, restrictions on the crowds, but now that Arkansas, the number one team in the country, is coming to Knoxville to play Tennessee this weekend. Suddenly, they get these restrictions lifted, and they're going to have 100% seating capacity in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, just in time for the number one team in the country, just in time to pack the stadium with a bunch of hostile ball fans, uh, along with the legends of Lindsey Nelson along the first baseline. I think it's kind of ironic, kind of funny, that Tennessee has decided to pack the stands with 100% capacity on the weekend that the number one team in the country is coming in to visit. That really ought to be a great baseball weekend. Arkansas and Tennessee are alike in this sense. People expected Arkansas to be good this year, but they didn't expect them to be the number one team in the country. And people expected Tennessee to be good. But Tennessee, like Arkansas, has exceeded expectations this year, being the number four team in the country. It really ought to be a, a classic series this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to having 100% capacity in the stands, too. I know the Braves are back at full capacity. You're, you're seeing more and more teams opening things up to the fans, and I, for one, am glad to see it. Amazing job on Rocky Top by Tony Vitella, the coach of the Vols. Tony Vols. Tony Vols, in his, what, fourth year now, has really turned this program around. Greatest Tennessee Vols baseball player, I would say Helton, but you tell me, is there somebody better than him? I can't think of anybody better than Todd Helton. I mean, goodness gracious, he, he should be. We mentioned the Hall of Fame, I think, more, or I have more this morning than I have in in a long time, but Todd yeah. Helton should be a Hall of Famer. And your teams in the college baseball top ten from the South, Florida checks in at nine, Texas Tech is seven. TCU, after losing their series at home last weekend to Texas, slips to number six. Those horns are number five. Tennessee, the other UT, is at four in the latest poll. Chris Lamonis's Mississippi State Bulldogs, after their series win in Columbia, move up to number three this week. And Coach Tim Corbin's Vanderbilt Commodore sitting pretty at number two. And then the aforementioned Arkansas Razorbacks, the number one team in college baseball, according to D1Baseball.com. Now, how many SEC teams is that in the top ten, John? Yeah, you know, I don't know if your teacher taught math there instead of just Latin. But uh, according to my numbers, we got one, two, three, four, five of the ten schools are from the SEC. And four of the top five or from the Southeastern Conference. The ACC, as we've talked about, is really struggling this year. Notre Dame is the leader of that conference in the polls right now. We'll come right back here on the Y'all Show. We're going to get a Southern Accent Report art. We're going to get it on the arts. Kobe Bennett has that, and then we'll wrap up the show after that. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent.
Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. The legacy of the most admirable man in the history of public broadcast television, Mr. Rogers, continues with a new puppet-filled series for children ages 3 to 5 from PBS Kids, entitled Donkey Hody. The titular character, a yellow donkey with a magenta mane, is the granddaughter of the original Don Quixote puppet from the neighborhood of make-believe. In every 15-minute episode, Don Quixote learns a lesson with the help of her friends Purple Panda, Bob Dog, and Duck Duck. The series is set in the land of someplace else, where parents send noisy children, and features many nods to Mr. Rogers, such as Trolley, the Fish Tank, and a Porch Swing. The show is a joint project between studios Fred Rogers Productions and Spiffy Pictures and was co-created by Spiffy founders Adam and David Rudman. The Rudman brothers have a history of children's programming, having worked on Sesame Street and The Muppets. In making the new project, Adam and David poured over tons of old footage from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Every part of it seems to be infused with joy and heart and humor, said Adam to the Associated Press. And I think that's something that Fred Rogers would appreciate. The new series started airing May 3rd and will hopefully impart the kind teachings of Mr. Rogers for a new generation. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. All right, Kobe Bennett, thank you for that southern accent on the Ops. And that will wrap up this portion of the Y'all Show. We got one last fun segment. Stay with us. It's our closing argument on this, the show that covers the South. I didn't know this song here got upbeat. You have to wait about five minutes before it kicks in. Art Cruz, John Rawl, as we wrap up our y'all show. Have you ever heard of this song here? Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a standard Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I'm just picking on you here. Yep. It is the y'all show wrapping up a, another show. Thank you for being a part of the program that covers everything Southern. And we'll keep our eye on the Aaron Rodgers news of the day and the Tim Tebow and the other NFL happenings here. And Art will be back here to tell you what ends up happening on those fronts. And uh, you got any golf in your future here today? Haven't stuck my head outside the window yet, John. But uh, if if uh, the weatherman's cooperating, absolutely. I mean, what else is there? Do you keep your your clubs in your? Automobile? Oh, no, no. I'd never treat my clubs that way. If you treat your clubs that way, they're not going to treat you well when you take them. I'm sorry. What, what could happen to a golf club if you leave it in the back of your car? Anything that you love, would you lock it up in your car and subject it to the heat and the cold? And you've got to take your clubs in at home. Talk to your clubs at night. Treat them the way you want them to treat you when you take them out on the golf course. I'd never be so cold as to leave my golf clubs behind Jeez. locked in a car. I didn't know you were representing the golf equivalent of PETA. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you don't know how to treat your golf clubs, I would, I'm shocked that you even 
ask me that question, John. <sighs> Sorry, I guess I got I got a ways to go. Art, thank you. Thank it's you. been y'all. It's been a pleasure being here with you. We'll be back here on the Wednesday show. Have a good rest of your day.